0: If you've ever loved an addict, you may have reached an exhausted, painful point where you felt broken and were struggling to just keep it all together. I am Kim Moore and this is Smiling Again, where in each episode we remind you that you are not alone. Together, one thing at a time, we will take small steps to introduce little changes into your life to help you let go, break free of guilt And live with self-compassion so that you can feel good on the inside and start smiling again. In today's episode, we're talking to Simon. And it's really hard for me to express the gratitude, the huge amount of gratitude that I have uh, for Simon stepping up and moving forward, stepping forward to talk. It's really hard to talk. Yeah, it can be. Um, But but (laughs) by facing these uncomfortable situations, it's through the discomfort that we heal and we grow. Um, And also through talking, we're going to create a greater understanding of the impact of addiction on families um, and potentially one day break the stigma and the shame around the illness of addiction. So welcome, Simon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> That's great to have you. I know it's not easy; it is is bloomin' hard. So, thank you, thank you very much. Sure. So, before we get into your interview, I think it's really important to explain to everyone how we met. Okay. Now, I've known Simon for a really long time. Don't, don't admit how long, please.
1: That would be bad for. I think it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's twenty-two years. I think
1: you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Simon and I used to work together a really long time ago, Um, but this is the first time that we've talked about this shared experience. Yes. Yeah. Loving someone who had an addiction. We didn't know. You didn't know what was going on in my life, and I didn't know what was going on yours. And I think that's really important to highlight because that's pretty common. Yes, I think it is. Yeah. It stays hidden. It does. Yeah. it,
1: It is one of those hidden things that. I mean, as you say, you, you you want to talk about stigma and shame. It is one of those things that generally is is always pushed to the background, isn't it? You know, you don't walk into your friend's house and introduce your loved one as an addict. Do you know what I mean? It's it's something that's always looked out for over your shoulder as you're in a situation, but never really spoken about.
0: Mm. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your situation and. Tell it, Tell us about your dad, because it, it was, was your dad with the edition. Yeah. Um,
1: so my dad was an entertainer by trade. He played piano and sang. Um, so uh, before I came along, he was doing summer seasons. He did a stint over in Germany doing various shows and stuff. Um, uh, and he was an old school rock and roller, you might say. Loved his fifties and sixties rock and roll. Um, so he was con- he was basically constantly in an environment where he'd be playing, singing. Someone saying, "Hey, Scott, do you want a pint?" Like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So you know, he was always around alcohol, um, <clears throat> but not really as um, as a problem. You know, it was all part and parcel of the deal. And you know, I remember days when I was young where Mum and Dad would have. Uh, incredible parties or barbecues at the house or whatever and and would, like, get through a a lot of alcohol. But it wasn't a problem. It wasn't every day. It wasn't a need, if you know what I mean. It was just part and parcel of the actual life they led. Um, So, yeah, that Dad, from that point of view, had always had this love of music, had just basically done what he wanted to do for a living. So he did the job he loved. Um, and I think when that stopped, I think that's when the alcohol became a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. So thinking back to those early days is probably a lot of good memories of music, yeah. parties, fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, literally to the point where we would have a barbecue in the back garden and the piano would be out and there'd be music blaring and people would we didn't know would randomly turn up at the house and ask to join in. <laughs> You know, things like that happened. It was it was just it was it was a fun childhood in that respect. Um but obviously that was as I say, you know, as you got as I got towards my teenage years, the need, shall we say, the demand for rock and roll singers kinda of hit a rocky patch for want of a better term. Um and I think really he just had to get a proper job and I think, you know, really the proper job the not being able to do what he loved i think all that pressure that he was never used to and i think that really was what turned you know a sociable drinking habit into a, into a, an addiction really
0: mm. it's interesting to hear you talk about your dad and and one of the things that we tend to do is we tend to try to understand why they did what they did yeah. and we can hear that through how you're talking about the change in your dad but let's talk about you sure. now so when things started to change uh you said that you were in your in my in teens, your teens
1: yeah sort of around 13 really um <clears throat> so a really sort of important time in my life um i was having a hard time at school and not academically necessarily but just peer group wise um i was bullied you know I mean, this isn't this isn't anything unusual I don't think for a lot of kids to be honest but you know I just I didn't have I didn't feel like I had my dad there to talk to about this I couldn't open up to him I couldn't discuss things with him you know my dad at the best of times was very old school Um, he was adopted at quite a young age I believe and had a fairly rough childhood himself so he was very much coming from the point of view of children should be seen and not heard Um, and he wasn't one for showing his emotions either. So for me, as what I would say is quite a fairly sensitive kid, to then have this additional barrier of, I want to talk to my dad, hey dad, and the first words out of his mouth were slurred. It was like I just just shut him off basically and, and just closed down and, and dealt with everything myself. And I think really that's when the rot set in with our relationship because it was a case of any time I wanted to talk to him, I could see he'd had a drink and I just, that was it. My 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 back went up straight away. As soon as I knew he'd had a drink, it was like, didn't want to talk.
0: So how did that make you feel, seeing your dad that way?
1: It's, it's a really, really hard thing to nail down. It's such a mixed bag of emotions. There's this whole, there's anger. There's um, there's shame, I guess, as well. I mean, you know, it, it, certainly later on in life, when I would introduce people to him, or we'd be out, and then he'd start drinking a lot, and you know, become that sort of embarrassing. That, I know dads meant to be embarrassing anyway. I'm really good at that, but you know, that that point where you step over the mark, and it just becomes, you know, something beyond a joke, and also you know just loneliness I suppose as well I mean you know I was always reasonably close to my mum but I hadn't got that male role model in my life anymore really as far as I was concerned I didn't anyway you know I just had mum and you know dad was sort of this background figure now that I didn't feel I could relate to or talk to or anything so it was it was it was a really hard time for me um and it I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I guess it's shaped who I am now. But at the time, it it really was quite hard.
0: So when you say that you feel it's shaped the way that you are today, what do you mean by that? How? What do you think is, why are you the way that you are because of that experience?
1: Probably a number of things. Um, I think I'm quite, well, I guess the first thing is I was, from that point, onwards always determined not to be addicted to anything Um, and I found it really easy to recognise the signs of addiction in Mm -hmm. other people and in myself so if at any point I thought you know this why why am I doing this, you know even like playing video games or things like that if I'm like why am I staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning to play this game, this is ridiculous you know, this feels a bit like it might be taking over do you know what I mean, things like that and but also I think emotionally because I had to deal with everything on my own, I think to some extent I've become a lot stronger because of that, emotionally perhaps. I don't know. It, it, I like to think... I, I was always a really sensitive kid and I like to think I've carried that forward but I also have the ability to sort of lock it away if necessary. So if I have to deal with something it's not particularly easy then I can deal with it and then I can now at least I can talk about it later as as we're demonstrating now um but for a long time I think I, I I shut out a lot of things for a very long time I certainly didn't deal with the relationship I I didn't have with my dad um
0: and so how long did that go on for Simon the shutting him out
1: probably until about four or five years ago um, he passed two years ago just gone um, and I shut him out for a very long time he got he he got cancer um, funnily enough nothing to do with the drinking um, but it was lung cancer and cancer of the colon I believe um, which he sort of beat and then it all came back but I mean he he made it to 84 nearly it was just before his 84th birthday when he passed. I'm um, not quite sure how he managed that. He may have pickled himself, possibly. But it was it was a time when I thought, look, you know, you've shut this guy out for such a long time, you don't know how much time you've got left. You know, and... I, I, Jane and I were friends at that point, my girlfriend, and she talked to me a lot about it and helped me deal with a lot of it really and helped me open up about it. And I think it's having that, having that person there to actually talk to about these things where, you know, they will just sit and listen. And I think that's made a big difference to me, certainly. And I think then from that point forward, I could actually, you know, try and talk to dad and, and, we, ne- we I mean, we never really talked about the drinking, not ever. We didn't talk about the years where I felt he missed out or I missed out. We just came to a, a sort of understanding of where we both were and how we felt about each other. And for the first time in, what, I don't know, 30 years maybe nearly, I could tell him I loved him, which was, you know, that was that was a big deal really
0: mm. it's wonderful that you had that gift of time yeah to have some time with him and to express that you loved him
1: yeah yeah i i mean i i think now if i hadn't had that i don't i don't i think i would have probably carried it for the rest of my life mm. um the fact that I could do that, the fact that I took that time, you know, I, I I just looked past where we'd come from and just dealt with where we were right then and just, I just you know he was my dad at the end of the day you know, and I do love him, I did love him and, and I told him as much as much as I could really before before he passed so
0: that's wonderful and uh, shows the courage that you have to you know to to do the difficult thing and to overcome those barriers that you had built up over those years to step forward and to talk to him
1: yeah i mean it what it's the thing once you do it it's easier every time you know it it is that massive first barrier you just have to push through um And, you know, it it did take a lot and it, but I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. I really am.
0: Wonderful. And thinking about all of these years and this experience that you've been through with your dad, how do you think it's impacted your experience of of being a parent now with with your own children?
1: Um, Well, I mean, uh, you know, I've tried to take funnily enough I tried to take a similar approach to my own dad in terms of um, alcohol and things like that you know he mum and dad introduced me to alcohol gradually over sort of my late teens kind of years you know they they were never demonising anything um, and I think that's kind of important because I think there's this whole temptation because of where I came from with dad to like you know, think oh, alcohol's really bad. You mustn't do this. Don't get near this. Don't do that. Whatever you do, you know, and and that I think that just pushes children to want it all the more and just think this must be really awesome if you don't want it to do it. You know, <laughs> you know, any time you tell your kids not to do something, they're bound to want to do it. So it, I'm, I'm kind of glad that it hasn't pushed me down that road, um, but it has also made me, I think. I'm very aware of how I am with my children in terms of being open with them, being available to them if they need me. Or, you know, I've always said to them, "If we want to, they don't want to talk to me." Obviously, I'm their dad. You know, who wants to talk to their dad, right? <laughs> um, but I've always said to them, "I'm here if you want to talk. It doesn't matter what it's about. There's no judgment. You know, I'm not, there's probably very little you're going to surprise me with than they generally do." Um, so I think to an extent that has helped me in that regard because it's made me think I don't want to be that closed book I don't want to be um, I don't want to be someone who pushes them away if I can help it Um, I haven't always (laughs) I haven't always been the best dad necessarily um, but I've done my best at the time you know that's all you can do really I, I think my dad did unfortunately he had this dog on his back that wouldn't let go and he couldn't shake it. He didn't have the strength of the world to just go, I'm not going to do it anymore, unfortunately.
0: So when you think back about your dad, what's a happy memory that you have of your dad?
1: Uh, It's quite a lot, really. Um, We used to go to Guernsey a lot on holiday. Um, So dad and I used to go... (laughs) It sounds ridiculous, right? We used to go crabbing and eeling, we'd call it. Um and the crab that we'd we'd go out with um basically kiddies' little fishing nets and spades and buckets and we would catch the most enormous crabs on the beaches of Guernsey. I'm i I'm, I'm literally like, you know, huge great things. And um eels as well, like a foot and a half long, with a stupid little kid's net and a it was just hilarious trying to scoop them into the buckets and whatnot. And Dad would shift these huge rocks because the tide goes out miles on the Guernsey beaches so it comes in for hours. And then um, you'd have all these big rocks and you'd turn them over and everything would just scarper. Um, so there's that. I mean, there's, as I say, there's the barbecues in the garden, you know, Dad playing the piano and blaring the music out and uh, even like in my later teens, you know, we'd have barbecues in the back garden and things like that. You know, so um they're probably the sort of i suppose they're the two things that spring to mind really you know the fun parties and then the one thing me and dad did do on our own together was going crabbing and kneeling on the beach in guernsey which was uh cool oh
0: that sounds brilliant i think it's really important to get to a place where we can remember those happy mm. memories because quite often we can get caught in in the chaos and And the sadness of it all. Yeah. And we forget the happy ones.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I don't think I I really thought about those memories. You know, I thought every time Dad came to mind, there was just this instant, you know, back up sort of um, just remembering, you know, the hiding of the drink, the, the drinking, mum's collection of miniatures and replacing what was in the bottles, so it wouldn't look like he had, you know, uh, the the time on holiday we almost had a fight because <laughs> he was drunk and he was trying to tell me what to do and I was a bit too old for that, you know, things like that and it's just, it's easy just, as you say, to just latch onto those memories and forget the other ones sometimes, but mm. they, were, they, they were good memories and, That's you know, good. it's good to yeah. remember them
0: good to remember them definitely and if, if there's the one thing that people do after hearing this this episode is I'd like them to remember the happy times, Yeah. think back and to the happy memories because they are there yeah. um, and to cherish those so one last question for you which sure. I think is a really lovely way to end the episode is what's something that you're grateful for
1: something that I'm grateful for there's lots of things I'm grateful for. To be honest, um, I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my girlfriend, my life, my career, uh, the fact that I've got a roof over my head and food in my belly. Um, I've I've kind of always been the eternal optimist. I think maybe that was part of getting through those years in my teenage years. You know, I am Mister Glass Half Full all the time, really. <laughs> Uh, probably to a fault or maybe I don't know maybe it's maybe it's gone too far I don't know <laughs> but um, you know I think in life I've got a lot of things to be grateful um, a lot of things to be grateful for really so well, that's L- life Thank you, on whole is good
0: good is um, gra- you know having gratitude I think is incredibly important because it's It creates a positive mindset. And Mm. as you say, the more positive you are, the more able you are to find solutions and to not just focus on the challenging things that are happening in life. So that's why I like to end with gratitude.
1: Gratitude (laughs) is good.
0: I'm incredibly grateful, as I said in the (laughs) beginning, for you to be here and to have this conversation with me. It's been been lovely to, to share this time with you. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing your story with others. I'm sure it will be helpful to somebody. Well, I hope
1: so, yeah. I mean, you know, if I think maybe if I'd have heard someone like that uh, in those years that might help me. I don't know. But um mm. we can we can but hope.
0: Yes. And we can all smile again.
1: Indeed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so thank you for joining me on Smiling Again. That's no and it's lovely to see your smile. Perfect time to say goodbye with your yeah. smile. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Simon. this has been smiling again hosted by me Kim Moore let's walk this journey together one thing at a time taking small steps little actions every day which can help you let go and start smiling again don't forget subscribe on your favorite podcast platform including Spotify Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts see you next week Thank you.